welcome back to an all-new installment of the Super Metal Brothers podcast. And whether you're listening to the Super Metal Brothers or Samantha B, it just keeps going on and on and on. It's heaven and hell. I'm Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. We are celebrating today's special occasion and it is the Super Metal Brothers birthday weekend. Danny was happy enough to share his birthday with his family and friends last Friday. And here we are today, but it'll come out probably tomorrow, the podcast, celebrating my birthday. It's very amazing. Start of winter, start of like coldness and darkness, and we're here to give you some sort of light. As in Dio's words, we might be the light in your black. Now, Dio's come up twice already in this uh, podcast, and it's only been three minutes. And why is that, Danny? Why is it? Because we really love Dio so much. But more importantly is that his first album, Holy Diver, also had a birthday recently. I think about a week or two ago was his 35th birthday. Mm. So technically, our Holy Diver album is our superior it's one year older than you man and and our retro review album this week which is very important to talk about because it's one of the albums that me and danny was pretty much growing up on apart from our daily dose of vitamins and uh, minerals this was part of our heavy metal diet and uh, one essential for anyone growing up to be healthy uh and uh equipped with all of the things to tackle life's you know whatever throat gets thrown at you yeah actually no no, it's a fair point because a lot of these messages have like undertones of like real life problems and solutions and blah blah mm. so now you're correct it's not just you being clever all done with really cool distorted kick-ass guitar <laughs> and wailing screams more importantly we want to talk about aside from obviously the um uh the retro review this week we're talking about also a, a little notification about you know uh the podcast question this week we thought you know giving a birthday we're going to pick a name out of the hat for anyone who answered our question this week and the question being real simple like what's the best uh merchandise that you've been given uh, from somebody else kind of thing. Yeah, heavy metal merchandise only. And uh, the winner of that, we'll pick a name out of the hat and uh, they get to choose the next review we do. Uh, well, it be, you know, it's going to be next week, but it could be a retro review, can be a new album that's coming out. Uh, all importantly, as long as it doesn't go to Jackie Tran or else we have to be reviewing Spice Girls and no one wants that. No one wants that. Well, maybe he does. Yeah. <laughs> no, we don't. More importantly, let's go straight off to the news. Now, kicking it off the news straight away, we should start off with some gig announcements. And more importantly, Australia has been hit within the last two weeks of three major bands touring. The first one, Parkway Drive, they're coming back home planet with Killswitch Engage and Thy Art is Murdered, Danny. They're bringing some two big-ass names in the metalcore, deathcore yeah. uh, industry. But Parkway Drive really have established themselves as the giants right now. They've even announced they're playing on the Metal Hammer Awards as well. Yeah, they're headlining Metal Hammer. So the yearly heavy metal awards ceremony which kind of rivals the grammys and just is probably corrupt because only the big names always win it <laughs> <laughs> anyway but give credit parkway driver headlining that show in europe somewhere so that amazing news it is being an australian band that have thrown the shackles off their metal corners although they are still bringing two bands that have definitely not done that um they are really coming from strength to strength right now you know playing at the entertainment center is no small feat now for those of you who don't know adelaide the entertainment center is where the big boys play, or mostly the people with the big productions, you know. All the pop guys will play there, all the monster trucks and stuff like that. Guaranteed a crowd of at least 20,000 almost, hey, Danny? No, that's... Well, that's a bit much, much but... 10 or 12. Yeah, yeah. But Adelaide, that's pretty good. Well, yeah, exactly. That's half the town that's come out, you know, <laughs> including their parents, which is amazing. Dimmy Borgie has also been announced off the East Coast, naturally. You know, let's not go anywhere that's uh, maybe not going to come out to your gig. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really unfair. We did a really good review of Dimmy Borgie, and, you know, yeah. I think they should say, you know what? Thanks, Super Metal Brothers. We'll come yeah. to Adelaide and say thanks. Yeah, I know. So they obviously didn't get that review. So if you want to just forward it on to Gorda, that'd be really, really <laughs> nice. Um, also mention about the Old Man's Child record, if he's going to come and do that. 
And Psychotic as well, another Australian band, are bringing another beast with them. One that we favor and fondly lust over every time we get a chance to talk about them. And that's Archsphere, Danny. Yeah. I mean, I mean like, like everyone said from us to Northy and all that, if you want to leave your guitar shred at the door, um, by the time you come back, it'll be there waiting, screaming, and throwing a tantrum for you because these guys own their equipment but not only are they just awesome at death metal they actually play songs which are actually engaging and fun to listen to you know not just someone wanking in your ear which can kind of get annoying after a while as well and the mess as well you're definitely right yeah it's always a shame for to clean up the next day but these guys are very technical they're probably the amount of notes played on that concert that one night is probably the same amount of notes played in the whole pop industry in one year <laughs> I mean that's that's how much like technicality you'll be experiencing that one hour all killer no filler let's move on now to some news stories with Tool a fan feels ripped off he just went on one of those you know subreddit things and talked about how he paid $500 for a music clinic and described it being is as it's insulting uh, there are a couple of things which I took away from it a uh, short appearance for the meet and greet Short songs performed, annoying questions asked in the Q&A, which wasn't the band's fault, but, you know, the vibe of the whole room would have helped to create that annoyingness. Um, logistical issues with merch, and they had to pay extra for their shipping fee to be brought out to them, plus more. All I can say is Tool Fan, because he said at the end of it, it's very hard to be a Tool Fan. I said, welcome to our camp. You know, we've got plenty of people here. You know, you just have to realize that these guys just don't really care too much for their fans. They really don't. That word, the name Tool is becoming more appropriate to not represent that band because they are a bunch of like, yeah. douches. Yeah, like, it's, it's terrible. You, you're just kind of like that classic art person who like went through like music, like art school, sorry, for like about two and a half weeks, assumes they know it all and then just like smash some paintings together and some one, one person bought their stuff for like $3 million and now they think they have a, a say yeah. on anything. You know, it really feels like that, doesn't it? But that's what these fans felt because they've, Put tool up to a really high level, and I don't think it's very appropriate. They level tools out like they're okay, but they're not like the best things in sliced bread. Oof. And that's why now you have these guys who have like self bullshit satisfaction. Okay, I must be that awesome. So whatever I do is gold, you know. And yeah. If I treat my fans like shit, it means they want it more. It's like an abusive relationship. Like yeah. Tool fans get out of this. Apparently, even one of one of the members stood there for like fifteen minutes for a meet and greet, and then just left. He got yeah. bored. I'm like, come on, man! Like five hundred bucks, and one guy came from Bangladesh Jeez. to see this, you know. And the, the guy writing that felt so more sorry for him. And he felt betrayed for his $500. I mean, like, you know, Bangladesh isn't exactly thriving in opportunity and wealth, you know, and he would have spent all his hard-earned dollars over the course of many years to, what, be slapped in the face by their um, artistic impression, impression of a dick or something? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so that's um, Boo Tool. And not, still no word when the album's finally going to come out. So yeah. way to go, Tool. Slow clap for Tool. Yeah. Facebook have announced, or the band Soywick has announced on Facebook that they are actually currently in the studio recording their 11th album, the follow-up of 2015 album, obviously The Ride Majestic, which um, I think got mixed reviews. I think now Soywick have definitely casted off that melodic death metal sound and more going for a melodic metal feel. Um, it's fine, you know, it's not for everybody, but it definitely has some darker elements with some more of that unusually happy kind of style, which uh, Soywick never really started off on that note, but... They've fully embraced it now. Yeah, but they've had like numerous like band member changes. Many, so. many band member changes. Yeah, the two original guitarists, then one left, and the other one stayed, then the other one left, and the other one came back on, and then two new guitarists now. So the, the songwriters have definitely changed. Feels like it's a natural progression, and now that Dirk Verbulen's left, it'll be interesting to see with his clone that's come into the, uh, the phase as well and see how they go about, I guess, Danny. 
Yeah, and exactly right. So, hey, we'll review it. Oh, absolutely. There's plenty more review. Um, we want to talk about... Uh, I want to talk about quickly while we're talking about albums we're going to review is um, our boy, our boy that plays for Symphony X, Danny. Um, we're talking about Symphony X's own Michael Romeo. Now, he's released a, a track called War of the Worlds Part 1. It's a solo album coming out in July, which we're definitely going to review. Danny, I have to say, though, have you listened to this track? Yeah, I did. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I could <laughs> to start with like War of the Worlds. I mean, this guy's all about concept albums and his favorite like composers, the guy who does sort of Star Wars things. Mm. I forget the guy's name, but some Christopher or something, whatever. No. Anyway. So he loves that guy. So you have a feeling this album's gonna be like a concept album full of like orchestration and sound effects and I don't know, bells and whistles. But this song here, it's a classic six minute long progressive song and it sounds like he's um kind of older stuff. Yeah. You reckon? Yeah, it, like it, it sounds like it sounds like a Symphony X song. It does, but yeah. it doesn't sound like the new Symphony X. It sounds like go back maybe three albums back or something. It has moments well, of, it has a little bit of underworld in it. Yeah, it not, has a little underworld in it. Yeah. But you're right; it does feel like a Michael Romeo um, b- um, band with a singer who's almost to the plate of uh, 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 Russell Allen. But he's not bad. He's actually hey, not too bad. He's hey. pretty good. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's the problem. Like you hear. The riffs, and you expect to hear Russell Adams sing. Yeah. And he had this other bloke. Like he's saying, very competent, decent. Oh singer, yeah, awesome singer. But just the tone is different, and that's. I would have thought he would have tried getting a screamer or something. Just try something completely different because it's fairly safe to have someone that can obviously hit that tenor range quite consistently with a lot of power and a lot of that uh, kind of bluesy kind of tone, I guess, as well. You know, um, I would have thought he'd just go straight out and just get I don't know someone who's got that blend, um, like. Not mercenary, but um, yeah, someone like that maybe. Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. Maybe it is. Maybe the other songs might have a bit of more raspiness or scream to it. I don't think so. I think we're going to expect a, a classic album. But again, even if it is just a, a, a songs that might appear on a Symphony X album, that doesn't make it a bad album. It's one of those last two Symphony X albums have been the best two albums of the last 10 years almost. Yeah, so, I, But this might be the only song we're singing on it because he might, like say, he might want to do a full concept album yeah. and it might just be one or two bits of singing. He might want to blast that guitar lead right into your face at you know, 40,000 because the guy can shred. So oh, but, he's going to be sad with that. But it's weird when he's saying this is my side project when you, know, you write all the music for Symphony X and yeah. his first song here is pretty Symphony X. Yeah. So I'm like... <laughs> Is, it, is Seven X split up? You're not telling me because that would piss me off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Creeper, the band, have announced that they we want to be the next Marlon Manson. Now, Will Gould from the band has told Louder Sound, David Bowie and Marlon Manson didn't just make albums, they made the whole world to explore. That's not what people might expect from a punk band and we're definitely still part of the punk rock, but it's just a way to try and recreate the depth and excitement we felt at the records we f- grew up loving. Bit of marketing jargon or a bit of truth to this, Danny? Yeah, probably marketing. So I, heard, <laughs> I heard one of their songs, and one of their songs is just like very simple, like rock with that motive screamo singing. No, not screamo, just like that really like whiny, yeah. like teenage kid singing stuff. So I don't know where you can draw comparisons to David Bowie or Manson. Yeah, I mean, both of those people have a very unique style and range. So when you hear their voice, naturally their baritoneness kind of comes through. Very distressed, you know, at times. But there's a lot of creativity and a bit of um, unfamiliarity with their styles, you know. So I and like you said, when you hear the other guy come out, you're like, ah, you know, I've definitely heard this style <laughs> done before, you know, and probably a little bit better. So 
maybe you know maybe they're going to work towards it you know a little bit like a, a project you know a bit of a d minus maybe they can move up to a b with the next the performance maybe who knows maybe this creepy guys can make it like a side project band <laughs> <laughs> like if they write a symphony x song man hell yeah i'll put them over he's gonna call his band david manson <laughs> see yeah <laughs> Uh, Hardcore guitarist turned New York City councilman introduces a bill to ban hidden ticket fees. This guy's name is Justin Brennan and he's said, when I was touring a musician, live shows were about having fun and building a sense of community and not nickel and diming kids who like music. Now, he's the guitarist obviously and he's now he's into politics. Interesting because I feel like there's a lot going on now. Uh, we've just got announced with Archbeer and a Cycroptic that they want to charge 29 bucks a ticket through uh through the organizers which i just can't understand this band's gonna make any money coming from i think it's from canada these yeah. boys yeah. yeah um then we see other bands come down and it's like you know 100 bucks for like nosebleed tickets as well uh who knows uh all i want to see more importantly because there's hidden fees i just want to get rid of people who scalpers i just want to see them arrested and thrown in jail um and because it's like you know, with promoters, they have to organize the place or, or the, the venue and go and be the liaison between the band and all that. And there's a lot of work going into it. And when they finally sell the tickets, I feel like, and they have to do the marketing and stuff, right? Then a scalper comes along who's done nothing, just wakes up about an hour earlier than everyone else, buys them all, and then sells them for an inflated price. I think they're the real, they're real assholes here, Danny. I'm definitely right. I mean, this guy's a fair point because they started doing this here with um, airplane tickets because airplane mm. tickets, you buy it for like, let's say, 100 bucks a flight. But every time you add it on, by the time you pay the ticket, it's like 250 bucks. So yeah. that's this guy's problem. It's like, yeah, yeah, if it's $50, say it's $50 plus all fees. Don't say $50 plus booking fee, yeah. delivery fee, Sunday night fee. Yeah. It turns out to be oh, 80 bucks. That's like with some of the places I bought tickets from in Australia, they will charge you for the ticket and then they'll charge you for the ticket cost. But they do everything now as a PDF file. They'll send it to your yeah. email and you're going to pay five bucks for the ticket. I'm like, but it's there. Yeah. You know, like if you're sending it to my house and getting the, the queen to like seal it and then, you know, give it, hand it to me uh, on a working holiday, then I understand paying five bucks for it. But what's the problem? And I think that's a good issue. Like, yeah. no, just say that the ticket's this and just do it all the work out for me. That way I can know if I can afford to eat the next week. We are metal musicians after yeah. all. But that booking fee is also ridiculous because if you book, let's say, 10 tickets together, sometimes they charge you for each individual ticket. I'm like, no, that's crap. I've been in together and the computer's doing all your work. There is no booking fee. It's not like a human's actually processing stuff. Mm. It's all done electronically. So that's a bullshit. It's like ATM fees. Bullshit. Mike Portnoy's back in the news again, Danny, and saying something a little bit controversial, which I guess he's what? been doing. I know, right? It's, it's like a Christmas holiday, a birthday. You know, it's almost like a birthday treat for us, you know? This once-in-a-lifetime thing with Portnoy. Now, here's a complaint now. That is the Mike Portnoy alarm. Thank you for coming up. I don't want to point fingers, but a lot of prog bands are simply too boring to watch. Or oh, he said boring to watch, he tells Metal Addicts as well. Now, he said that they're just like scientists doing a musical experiment. The band has the energy and excitement of Van Halen and with musically of Rush, it's kind of a great combination to what he wants to see and what he gets. I feel that Mike Portnoy has a point here though because... The more harder and complicated and more notes you're going to throw in something, the more concentration you have to do it because you're playing to a crowd at that time who wants to hear you play all those notes perfectly. Because if you're just playing, you know, a couple of cool solos here and there, most of your fans will be like too stoned or too drunk to even notice it. But when you're playing prog metal, you know, generally these are guys are the people who are like, you know, I need you to stimulate my senses. And by missing that, you know, G flat or whatever, you're really alienating your three people that come out to your, your crowd, don't you? 
Yeah, exactly right. You don't want to upset those people because those people like when they write like hate mail and hate stuff on Facebook, oh. over technical, yeah. over precise, and to the point you can't actually understand what they're talking about. Exactly, and you can't afford to probably have your merch not bought from them because they're too smart to actually go out and buy it. They're probably stolen it anyway <laughs> because you know they want to save their money for who knows what, maybe magic cards or something. Now these guys are probably smart. They've created like a three D printer. They print their own merch out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I don't need your shit. <laughs> they print the band out to play for them. <laughs> Look how good timing they are. Yeah. Ah, well, you know, and that's the thing. I mean, he says a lot of prog bands, and you could extend that to tech death bands. You could extend that to tech black metal bands or tech tech black metal bands <laughs> yeah. you know yeah, anything yeah. that's got the tech thing to it you know you're pretty much going for it uh, I would even argue that even Dream Theater was a bit boring to see yeah, live they, no you one know? moved no nah. one moved who moved on that stage the, really I mean I mean, the oral experience in your ear yeah sure that was like honey mustard uh, draped across you know a naked woman's body but looking at them, it was pretty much like looking at five uh, poles that are holding up the arena. Like, yeah. yeah, it was doing a great job doing it, but it wasn't that interesting to look and at. And they all wore black. It's like, this is the most like mundane show, but the yeah, technicality-wise, brilliant. But what's he expecting? These guys like shredding guitar while doing backflips yeah. on stage. So, oh, give the guys a break. Exactly. We don't see like, he obviously wants to see them in a circus maybe. You know, just jump on a trampoline the whole time or something, like those kid trampolines. Just do something. Uh, Joe Satriani has caught wind of Richie Blackmore. Now, Richie Blackmore did criticise Joe Satriani of failing to find the notes, much like ABC is failing to find comedy. Uh. <laughs> um, it's unfortunate. This is what uh, Joe Satriani has said. It's unfortunate when somebody you look up to uh, has something negative to say about you. You told Blabbermouth, I get criticised on both sides of the fence for the opposite offences, he continued. And I don't quite understand it. But then most of the time when someone has criticism, it's because they challenge and they feel that they have to strike out. So I get it. I understand why he would have to say something negative. I can laugh, but it's not like I like, like that myself. I tend to look at the positives and other musicians and focus on that. Good point. You know, Richie Blackmore was quite interesting to like slam another guitarist for trying to create his own sound and style. Um, but then again, you know, it's just, it, it's hard because I mean, we, we have a lot of fun ripping into bands and stuff. So I mean, Richie Blackmore wanted that honest opinion about Someone asked him the question about Joe Satriani and he had to give him the honest answer. And um, I mean, just imagine that, you know, you hear that you looked up to and, and aspire to be like at one point, have all these romantic feelings on, says basically, you know, I, I, it's not you, it's me. Actually, no, it's, it's actually you. It'd suck. It'd be like being at high school over again, except that Joe Satriani would have had hair then. So Yeah, that's <laughs> true as well. They would have been a little bit nicer to him. <laughs> yeah, but Blackmore's comments were pretty like silly. It's like, oh, he plays all the notes too perfectly and doesn't play anything wrong. It's like, is that really criticism? Or yeah. are you saying he's very technically great but yeah. I mean Joe Satriani also replaced Blackmore for like half a tour I think 93 Blackmore just like left the tour or didn't rock up one time and they got Joe Satriani flew him in to finish the tour off so he's had a bit of experience with Deep Purple so and I was only sure it was only for a couple of months maybe Richie still has a bit of like annoyance about that mm. they found a guy so quickly to replace him yeah. <laughs> he's like oh wow I'm that easily to like play my stuff yeah it? don't play they hate the player hate the uh, deep purple game the board game i'm sure is coming out from Mattel next week um i'm thinking we move on to billy corgan now he's actually said something which um really made me think uh, a bit more highly of him you know <laughs> a lot of people have criticized him about the uh, lineup that he'd brought out without the original bass player and all that kind of crap and uh, you know he's got a very much self-grandalizing uh, you know, demeanor about him maybe but he said that metal doesn't get the respect it deserves and uh, the most important thing you can't get that through the hipster oh yeah you can't get that through it to find to a hipster's brain so like that's the problem is that if you're a hipster you don't like metal then don't be a hipster 
I think that's really important advice from Billy Corgan. Oh, yeah. Hips just don't like metal. No. They, they only like things which come on vinyl. Even though metal came on vinyl, but they like things which come on vinyl in like the last two years. Yeah. And it's from the same bands they like before. They, they don't like metal because they like literally find good grievances to hate things. They're better at being hipsters than hipsters, really. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and they do it with better music as well. Yeah. But yeah, but good on them for saying metal does get respect. I think we all understand that. It's just the way it is. Little Darling will be riding on the horses, yeah. Mm. But yeah, I mean, good on for saying that. Again, I'm not sure if he's trying to kiss ass now because his last tour didn't do so well. Nah. He upset some fans. Or he's genuine. And I thought, sweet, because yeah, we'll take that. I think we got a little insight into the real Billy Corgan. And I think all that uh, air, because of you know his chrome, has really affected his brain particles and they've expanded and grown through nature, which I'm, I'm happy about. You know, welcome to the team. Yeah. Uh, next Children of Bodom record is going to be more rock and roll, says Alexi Leho. That's interesting because they've gone a lot heavier lately. Uh, from when they first started to being a Iron Maiden band ripoff to being, <laughs> uh, I don't know, a new metal band ripoff. Who knows? It's really interesting. They're a very interesting band at the moment. Um, but, you know, they also get very drunk. So I'm pretty sure this conversation that Lexi Leho had, he might forget by next week. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, he's done some, they've done some really bad things. Like that cover album they did was terrible. I bought it. I thought it was actually one of their new releases. And I realized that the back of the album was all covers and it really felt like they were drunk. The production's terrible sloppy playing all that kind of stuff you know so i don't know man it's gonna be interesting to see how they kind of bounce back with this one if they're gonna create a rock and roll vibe we're gonna are we gonna get a beatles style album you know it's it's possible well, has he ever done clean vocals on an album uh i, I think wonder. i think always that covers out was kind of clean you know yeah. does that kind of talking singing thing yeah it's yeah. it's not great i mean you can't do rock and roll screaming it just doesn't really marry up all right, let's finish it off with one final announcement with Nita Strauss. Now, we talked about her a lot recently, but she's been kind of striking these uh, balls out of the park lately with some really good insight into the heavy metal world and stuff. She has a debut album coming out, solo one. It will feature one really exciting special guest. Now, the drama's been announced. It's going to be her boyfriend. It's the guy she's sleeping with. I mean, wow, what, what preferential treatments is that? You, yeah. You're having sex with a really hot blonde chick and you get to play on her album, probably getting paid like billions of dollars. Because, you know, she is playing with Alice Cooper, so she should be earning the monies. Nice little apartment up there in upstate New York, I reckon. Who knows? Who cares? But who's this announcement going to be, Danny? Which guitarist? She announced it will be a guitarist. Yeah. One special guitarist. She hasn't said who, though, because she wants the uh, attention just on herself. She doesn't want the guitarist to help sell things, blah, blah, blah. But once the album gets released and you know who the guitarist is, then how do you know your name's not selling it or the other guitarist yeah. selling it? So it's a bit of a weird thing. And she's announced it as a special guitarist. If she really didn't want any attention or focused on it, then she shouldn't have said anything at all. Yeah. No. <laughs> you know, it should have been like, you know what? I, I've, there's no surprises, no nothing coming out. It's going to be me playing and whatever. But yeah. then she like throws it on you at 11th hour. So do, do you think we are expecting to see or hear certain shredder? Like... I don't know, man. There's a lot of good shredders out there at the moment. She would have met almost all of them. Who do you think is going to be on the album, Dunning? Uh, easy guess is Zach Wilde. Yeah. Just because American-based and yep. maybe similar styles, sort of. Not really, but it's kind of like the rock feel yep. in a way. But I know because it has to be a guitarist big enough that everybody knows their name and gets excited behind. Uh, maybe she might get, um, was it Dave Murray from Iron Maiden? Because yep. she used to be in the Iron Maidens. Yeah, so that's I right. I don't know. Yeah. Do you reckon think, Loomis will get on their board? No, I don't think Loomis. Uh, no. I think it might be, man. No, oh, I can't wait. I hope he gets on Styles it. Styles are too different, I reckon. But maybe that's different. Maybe her, her new style is going to be different. But well, he can know. do anything from the ballad, like in Chosen Time, for example. And then he can do, like, you know, Souls Like I'm Born or something. You know, they're completely yeah. different. One's a death metal song. One's, 
one you can get married to with your missus. Actually, you know what? If you can't get married to your missus with Bourne, then I think you need to find someone else because <laughs> that's just not, not acceptable. Yeah. Um, yeah. So with that, I guess we can move straight on to our next presentation and let's talk seriously about our podcast question of the week. This week's podcast question, what is the best metal, heavy metal uh, merch that you've been given, right? So basically, we wanted to know from people, you know, it's your birthday or whatever and someone's giving you heavy metal merch and you're like, oh my God, and it's stuck with you all this time. I've got some stuff that I own and uh, Daniel, I'm sure you do, but we're going to ask our fans. We're going to get through all the fans and then after that, we're going to actually pull a name out of the Nonna's uh, basket that she's nicely lent us. It did have pasta in it. Now it doesn't. Now it has all the names of one lucky contestant who gets to choose an album. Now we might uh, review it. They might not like what we have to say about the album, but we'll review it nonetheless. Yeah, exactly right. We always love to um, get our fans involved. Again, we've had a decent turnout. A lot of people put their opinions in, so thank you very much for this. Um, I guess we'll start from the start. That always makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. First one is Amy Carson. Uh, would probably say it's the Devon Townsend Quilf shirt. Now, Quilf means, I guess, queen I like to fornicate with. Mm. And it's a picture of, the shirt has a picture of, like, Queen Elizabeth on it. So, I guess that's what that shirt means. Mm. And he usually gets some suspect looks from people when he wears it. Uh, and it's his picture for his um, Xbox profile as well. So, mm-hmm. very good. Steve Lehman says, some band called Quario Verum, star beholder. Oh, so, yeah. man, what a genuine. <laughs> well, it was actually his artwork all over it. So, oh, the least the band could do is actually... Give him his work that we, they paid pretty much nothing for. Like he was just nice enough to give that special band a certain artwork for almost nothing. And uh, here you go. Here we are right now talking about it. And he's had his life. I'm sure he drinks his favorite uh, Kool Aid or uh, alcoholic beverage. Cuba's Ale. Cuba's Ale. Good luck. Good on the guy. Next one. Our next is Jacob Venix, a tour shirt signed by Ed Guy. Oh, That's cool. Good. Josh Rigby, his Black Dalai Murder in terms of artwork destroy absolutely everyone the bright colors quality of the art hands down best band for merch uh braden cfc probably my suicide silence drum head artwork yeah yeah the guy has a natural ability of getting special uh band stuff uh before or after gigs man he's very good at it like he's got a set list from almost every single gig he's seen like i'm talking the set list picks drumsticks the guy yeah. has an eclectic collection of stuff that most diehard fans would dream about but uh to his credit though he's always going and buying the um you know he gets all the pre kind of meet the band stuff as well yeah. and that you know Everything. and some of them are great and some of them are lamb of god so there you go <laughs> well this is one of the good cases because i think this one here he was a meet and greet with the um, band and literally the, the drummer himself actually does like, artwork on his drum skins and mm. sells them off and that's what this one he actually was ledge yeah so he, in fact says he bought it before they offered Everyone, their latest effort. Mm-hmm. For, oh, oh, sorry. I bought before they offended everybody with their latest effort. So, yeah. there you go. Um, and also, a signed Motorhead drum skin. So, that's another oh, good one. That's cool. Uh, Sean Tinnery Smith, Michael Gira. Oh, Gojira. 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 Uh, drum skins as well. Signed by them is probably my favorite. Haha, got it up on the wall. Yeah, awesome stuff. Danny? Let's uh, do it. Before we get reveal their name, though, let's talk a little bit about some of our favorite merch, and then we can... Uh, still a couple more. Do we finish them, Oh, yeah. Sorry, right. <laughs> sorry. God, I thought, you were, I thought you finalized. That was nah, a really good way to end it. Well, the next one I didn't want to say is uh, some guy named Jackie Tran, but this is, this is a compliment. It's uh, some photos of Daniel Marotti overseas that I was lucky enough to capture. So I'm um, that metal, apparently, that it comes out of my photograph. So yeah. you're welcome. I'll, you know, I'll sign them eventually. Uh, Daniel Serdablad, my custom Inferno Darkside V course so mm. very nice there 
uh, Kaya Elliott. Got quite a bit, but my signed Slipknot poster by all original members from first Aussie tour. Oh, that's a big one. Also, my Prong and Pantera signed lineups, dimes. Oh, so well. she's got sitting on a wealth of uh, materials yeah. there. If she were to ever sell it, which she probably wouldn't, being a metal fan. Yeah, that's true. And dime progression, drumsticks, and picks. Yep, my faves. Yep. And last one, this is not really metal, but we'll count it because it sounds pretty cool. Uh, Marco Ramirez, uh, auto doesn't count because it ain't exactly heavy metal. I did buy a pair of 2B drumsticks with the Graceland theme painted on the hand section of the sticks when I visited Graceland in Elvis's place. So that looks pretty cool. Okay, that's great. cool. That'd be nice. Danny, before we get on to revealing the winner, just give me a quick uh, rundown of some of the heavy metal merch that you've been given that you've uh, fondly secured to your heart. Yeah, the, nothing as grandeur as like signed stuff. I mean, the only thing I could, I've caught a pick from, Deep, pick from Deep Purple. I know that's not really merch, but that's something I've got. Um, mostly I've got a cool hoodie, Ronnie James D, Holy Diver hoodie. Mm. That's great. I bought myself a rainbow when we saw Rainbow two years back. I bought the rainbow like... Oh, that's a cool, jacket, yeah, basket. Uh, so yeah, the, the baseball one. Yeah. That's awesome. So I got that. Uh, just a cool Ronnie James Dio um, beer coaster, shirts, picks, yeah. um, beanies. As I destruct beanies, I got some. Oh yeah, right there now. you go, buddy. Keep warm yeah. with that. So most, most stuff, mostly like clothes. Nothing on, on a grand scale, but that's simply X jumpers also good. Yeah. So I love that cool stuff. Two, uh, the gift I gave from me to me is my old man's child T-shirt. It's phenomenal. I absolutely love it. I wear it. Only to very special occasions. So, Danny, when you get married, prepare to see it again. <laughs> and the best piece of uh, heavy metal merch that I was given was a Schecter 7-string. Obviously, the Jess Linus modeled, coming with his signature from the guy sitting across from me. It is amazing. And I still, to this day, don't know what I'm going to do with it. It's yeah. too special to touch, but it's a shame not to. This thing here would sound amazing through anything. And I don't know if I have the balls to use my sweaty hands on it because I know that signature's gone and so will a part of me if it does go off. So thanks for that, Danny. And um, let's do the reveal of it. So I'm going to hold up Nonna's pasta tin and out of it, Danny will pick a name. That name will be basically the person who gets to choose our next review, whether it be a retro review uh, heavy metal, preferably, uh, or if it's a new one, there's plenty of albums coming out. Maybe they ask us to review the Michael Romeo record. That'd be awesome. And with that, drum roll, please, Danny. Does that sound like a drum roll? <laughs> <laughs> and the winner, thank God, not Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you. Yeah, the winner is uh, Jacob Venex. Oh, yeah, there you go. Thank you, Jacob. So get ready for that. We're going to send you a private message and you can let us know what album you want us to review. And uh, yeah, see what will be our takes on it. But with that, we'll go on to our final presentation this week. And that is our album review. Real special one this week. We're talking from 1983, the record Holy Diver, the band Dio. Well, Dio, obviously, Ronnie James Dio is the man. Now, the guy is pretty much known for his work with, was it Elf, Danny? Yeah, Elf is where he first got his notoriety from. He kind of... um opened up for Deep Purple on a tour mm-hmm. and then Roger Glover and stuff liked him and Richard Blackmore really liked him so when Blackmore left Rain, uh, Deep Purple he said hey why don't we why don't I join Elf so he joined Elf and pretty much kicked out everybody in Elf apart from Dio mm-hmm. and formed Rainbow and then got his other musicians so he that's his way of getting Dio as a singer then after that uh, Ronnie got kicked out of Rainbow joined Sabbath got kicked out of Sabbath and he uh, formed his own 
project. Yeah, definitely one that likes to steer his own ship. Uh, Ronnie James Dio is pretty much known for his incredible style. He has an incredible range and the delivery and power that is pretty much unmatched, you know. Often replicated, but never duplicated, I guess is the word we want to talk about with the man. But let's talk about the record. It was released in 1983. Uh, He just finished his first tenure with Black Sabbath, whose drummer Vinny uh, Apice he took with him to put together his own band. Uh, the roster was completed by his former bandmate in Rainbow, Jimmy Bain, on bass, and the young guitarist, Vivian Campbell. Now, interesting. The band was called Sweet Sa- uh, Savage that Vivian Campbell was in. And for a young guitarist, I can tell you right now, pretty damn awesome. Yeah. And he came all the way from Ireland as well. So he was Ooh. pretty much unknown to the American scene because Dio was based in America. Now, yeah. the album itself has pretty much been acclaimed by many of the music press, considered their most iconic album you could say best work maybe even as well those names were thrown around um it's definitely a stable though in the heavy metal genre and i think anyone who's into that classic heavy metal sound where it's new wave of british heavy metal or power metal or just heavy metal you know um this is one you must have in your collection because it pretty much takes all those boxes and before we go into it just a couple of little notes about the uh mascot in the album his name's murray now That's he's right. the uh demon yeah. Uh, that, that features on like that album, The Last in Line and Dream Evil. Yeah, Sacred Heart, all that stuff. Yeah, all that classic stuff. And this actual song from the album, Holy Diver, features on an South Park episode, Hooked on Monkey Phonics. Yeah. You remember that, awesome. Danny, where it's yeah. like, are you kids ready to rock? <laughs> <laughs> that was the greatest. I remember seeing that like for the first time it aired on TV. I was like, oh, Dio. And I go to school the next day, I talk to everybody about it. They're like, who's Dio? <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> More importantly, though, he also did feature on the... Uh, uh, the uh, movie Danny that you were talking about before yeah, Tenacious D with Tenacious D that's Pick right of Destiny and uh, Go My Son and Rock there were all those great yeah, little moments that he awesome. did in it very very cool moment where he, he came to life on the poster the back of his door um, yeah so there's a lot of respect paid to the guy and recently Holy Dive of the Song featured on a Hyundai car commercial break. oh awesome and Hyundai also sponsored the A-League here the oh. best the best thing that's going around right now the only football you need to worry about <laughs> So let's move on though with the album. What do we think about the tracks off this album, Danny? Well, let's move off from the very first uh, track, Stand Up and Shout. And now, what a way to launch into an album. Yeah. This, this track rocks, man. Yeah. It's just got that very much, that very powerful, uh, energetic, uh, hard-hittingness about it with the Dio just going out from the swinging punches right up from the back, like just crazy. Yeah, no, it's great. And again, with Dio, what you'll find a lot in this album is he, he, the emphasis he puts on certain words and endings to yeah. really hit the passion and power behind a song. Because a lot of his songs have meaning and emotion. This song is about, you know, be you, be the powerful individual you want to be and just yeah. don't worry about everybody else, etc. And he sings it. He sings it across that way. So a lot of the songs, the way he sings it, how he puts the emphasis on certain words uh, really hits, yeah, really gets a more power and delivery across. And mm. you're right, this is fast, jumpy, powerful, really like energetic song. Mm. It's pretty pretty good way to kick start an album yeah even those cheeky guitars at the end for some extra rock points which is very important when you're writing a rock and roll record you need all those staples yeah. in there as well a great track and one that is instantly uh, catchy that gets you straight into the record which is no marking around none of this instrumental uh, black metal keyboard thing for a minute uh, 
20 unless it comes into the next track, but for good yeah, reason. That's it. Holy Diver, <laughs> uh, possibly one of heavy metal's most iconic metal anthems in the 1980s, yep. maybe even all time. It definitely deserves to be on a list. You know, it's just the track that people think when it comes to Ronnie James D, I'd imagine. Yeah, no, definitely right. Accents used throughout media, we've seen everybody knows the riff. Even guys who I know who half into metal like know the riff. Yep. Keep switch engaged, cover it. That's did right. a good job with it as well, I thought. Um, even did a film clip, Ronnie James Dio did a film clip of this yeah. song, classic him going through a, like a castle or a church thing with a big sword and oh. attacking Murray type things. Like, yeah, right, anyway. Very manly, but it gets me, the whole track feels like a Michael Jackson thriller thing. It feels like a whole build up, you know, and they kind of knew that this track was going to be awesome because it gives it its own intro. And it's very ooh, like mysterious, you know, but when you hear that riff, it's just a headbanger and the whole time it's just great performance again. Once you hear it, you know what you're talking about. Rocking good time. Stand out, great, yeah, definitely, and even like the way that you know he chucks in the solo in the middle and how he comes out of solo is very nice. Like, yeah, he, he just like slowly builds back into the song, progresses quite nicely. So, now nah, a yeah, great song, people have heard it a million times, and you should hear it a million more, yeah. Going into the track Gypsy, a very much rock and roll experience yeah. with those broken up pedios and the tasty kind of licks alongside Dio's belting nature as well. It's a shorter song, but stands up as a strong performance, one that doesn't get as much recognition. I think it may be. It deserves maybe overshadowed by some of the actual massive hits off the album, but it's a, a nice track nonetheless. Yeah, definitely. Right. Yeah, it's pretty much like a, a bluesy rock song. You can actually get that quite a bit through this album. I guess it might be um, Vivian Campbell's influence being from Ireland yep. and the English sound. You can hear the like Deep Purple and Sabbath influences on the guitar playing and the riffs. So, but yeah, this is a pretty cool song. Yeah, no, very rocking. Caught in the middle, the next track. Four minutes, 14, punching in with a showcase of different playing here. Uh, the guitar here is very impressive because there's a lot of different um, techniques going into it, uh, from big chords to chugging to arpeggios, tidy soloing and more. It's a very good track from the, from the guitarist. But it's a good feeling song as well. It's quite happy and a nice one. That gives a good dichotomy from the other tracks as well. Yeah, definitely right. Nice melodies in it and the chorus very nice. Well, like slow, more slow drawn out in the chorus to help offset it. But I think it's, yeah, a quite good song. Um, apparently the song is based on his music producer because the guy, Angelo something, whoever his surname is, is always caught, he's always caught in the middle of like, He's like his whole life, apparently, he's always been caught in the middle. So, Dio, that's a good song. I'll write a song about you. And the interesting point is, I think if Dio wasn't on this track, it probably wouldn't be as good, though, as it needs to be. I really feel like you hear a Dio on these tracks and he just launches these into the stratosphere. You know, yeah. it's like, I know this song's cool, but if he wasn't on it, it'd be just a, a nice song. And, and any other vocalist on it would be like, yeah, this is a good track. Well, you're right, it has like a full 80s like pop rock feel to it, this yeah. song. And if it wasn't for Dear, you think it'd be like a Duran Duran type. Wait a minute, that's just yeah, stuff. But, like, it, but that's yeah. not even the first time that happens on the album as well, where that yeah. 80 kind of creeps its head in, you know? And not necessarily the bad parts of yeah. the 80s, but it's just, you can feel that it has that timeless. 80s feel about it. a little bit like the hard wooden floorboards or like the wooden TV cabinets or just wooden general I guess um, Don't Talk to Strangers moving into another song that has its own uh, kind of aura about it you know this uh, this track itself is pretty much launching up, up alongside the best Rainbow and Black Sabbath songs really, really done hey yeah no, definitely right again this is the progressive nature of Dio's songs like he helped form progressive rock in a way yeah. so it starts with that slow subtle singing over like just a bit of acoustic work and it belts into that whole like yeah and starts with that chunky riff and it goes pretty heavy then cuts back into the solo kind of repeats the intro again and then just this big rock out type finish so yeah very progressive song again very strong lyrics sung yeah. with a lot of power where needed to soft when needed to 
Um, yeah, tough riff. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the riff, that real nice uh, diminished riff in the uh, verse is very tight. It feels like a song that he would have done in Black Sabbath, like Falling Off the Edge of the World, where that intro kind of really leads into something great. And it's like you said, it's very much a concentrated effort on building and dropping the song, you know, and you, and you kind of yeah. return to those themes. At all. But it is a staple and one that must many fans must check out. Now, going into the side two, if we're talking about the vinyl. Yeah, back in the day. Back in the day, or track six, if you haven't seen it on CD. <laughs> straight Through the Heart. Uh, again, another tasty lick here from Campbell with the amount of conviction and technique. You know, the performances here are very strong. Feeling almost like a rainbow song at times, though. A little bit like the happy kind of like straight through your eyes or whatever, like maybe a little bit before that. Sorry, I'd imagine. But the delivery is very much like a long live rock and roll approach for me. Yeah, and it's very strong. Definitely. Yeah, definitely right. Again, a lot of power, a lot of emotion sung in this song. Yeah. Again, just so much conviction in everything he's done. All these songs are just like, wow, it yeah. just keeps going, going, going. Like to hear this live, this album live and hear these songs sung live, like it must take a lot out of him, but yeah. just done so well. And again, a very uh, powerful song, you know, like the lyric, again, more meaning behind it. Like in your life, you always get hit, always feel like you get hit and always hits you straight through the heart. So again, he has his own life experiences on it. I think mm. that's what makes his song so strong. Is mm. that he gets his life experiences and he sings it from a place of where... Yeah, his general conviction because yeah. he yeah, can relate to it because it's him going through those emotions. Invisible, track seven, a very nice... Or track two, again. Oh, God, it's going to get old. <laughs> <laughs> a very nice the song that could fit on a Queen record, this one here. It's very much... Uh, like you can fit on a Queen record as very much a Dio record. You know, it's a very great song. Lots of those harmonies that are brought in from the vocals as well with a time and a guitaring and groovy bluesy nature as well that was very strong around that time a great a great track here and one that definitely kind of gets lost with some of those again juggernaut tracks that people remember and for some reason they decided that they were going to be the songs that everyone would really take out of this album but a good yeah. song no definitely right guitarists just love nice little licks and things yep. chucked in there as well so it helps out and yeah good album good song Rainbow in the Dark, four minutes, 15 of pure rock slash pop bliss almost. You know, this is the track that almost never came about, Danny. Hey. Exactly right. This is the one that Dio wanted to take a razor blade to and cut it up. And he had told his band, he said, I, wanted, I don't want this album. He thought it was too poppy mm. and didn't think it felt on the album, which I don't agree with because if you go back to like the early songs, like Chord in the Middle, etc., there's a little bit of like a rock pop feel to it. But this song here gets it so heavily with the synth and the... Danciness. It's, you really it's a just. Bit different. It's just the piano, which I think he has to have the most grievance with at the start of the song. Because yeah. everything else, apart from that, doesn't sound like Europe. I mean, that did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like, in all honesty, everything else sounds like a Dio track. You know, it's yeah. pretty rocking. It's heavy. It's got a very emo uh, sad feel about it. It's very emotive. Yeah. And again, the fans have taken this song and made it one of the staples off the album. This is the thing. Oh, we've already yeah. got an, a bunch of uh, four songs that have just pretty much become part of the heavy metal framework on one album and this is the first Dio album yeah this song, this song again good enough to get a, its own film clip too as well um, very powerful song sung well a little like chanting part in the middle like dun -ch, dun -dun -ch, dun -ch. Yeah. yeah so you can just like clap. yeah yeah again yeah. a lot of power uh, nice lines guitar and singing match up very well and to finish it off shame on their night it feels like Blackmore one night. Maybe he pre-discovered that he knew Richard Blackmore's uh, solo efforts was going to be terrible and it is a shame that he released it. But uh, he beat us to it. Dear must have some pre-cognitive abilities and for that, he deserves to have this as his last track. Very haunting ending, actually, this song. I didn't realize yeah. how sad this one was because I never really got into it as much. By the end of this, I kind of like, like, oh, that's... 
might re-repeat some of those earlier songs. But because <laughs> <laughs> when you start the album, again goes back to standard yeah. shout. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right, it. But uh, it's a it's a good track to end the album on. It's a very somber way to go out, and it's very much uh, yeah, it's a very striking melodies. Which the album is sad, but this particular track is very sad. So it's a good track. Yeah, but this song here, I think. It, it, it pays homage to like the um eight, uh, early like 1900s uh, blues songs where you like you say like B.B. King was singing a song and it's like a slow rip and he's singing like a pain chorus yeah. on it and then it cuts it to the chorus it gets a bit heavy and he sings over again and then it strips back and he yeah. sings it, like you know the classic blues um oh, you know the classic B.B. King stuff yeah. where it's like a little riff and he goes oh I can't a call and response kind of yeah, thing yeah kind of call and yeah. response type thing but I can't remember the, the classic stuff he does but yeah. it, it has that feel to it which is cool I thought yeah. it was quite a nice way of yeah oh, I thought it was a great way of ending the track you know it definitely isn't going to be like the crowd pleaser that that uh, Rainbow in the Dark and that would be but a good way to finish the album and definitely want you to go back to it now overall why is this album the most critically appraised album for Dio well I can see why you know there's for one thing a lot of bands couldn't get this many uh, songs to be recognized over three albums, let alone one. Yeah. I mean, you got to understand. They, he's got stuff like uh, Set Up and Shout, Holy Diver, uh, Don't Talk to Strangers, and Rainbow in the Dark as some that would feature in like later set lists to now. And if, if people, uh, the Dio Disciples are playing it, they'd want those four songs to be on their performance. I mean, it's iconic that four songs would make it like you said, as the archetype of heavy metal. Yeah, and definitely first time by myself as well, like away from the and Sabbath. But you can hear how much the influenced those bands from when yeah. he was there to when he left, etc. So he really kind of formulated his own sound and then he just had a, a way to like just focus on that sound. Yeah. And, the, and the thing is, it's about passion and conviction really. And the one thing I really got is that when he was in a band, whether it would be Black Sabbath, Rainbow or Dio, like you said, there's a certain energy and fire that he brings to it, you know, and maybe he's a perfectionist, but he's got every right to um, kind of go in there and, and you know, assert dominance because his reputation really much does exceed him, really. It's amazing how much he can contribute into a style and a, and a way a song can be and, and be presented to people, and it's amazing. Like, these songs are just, like you said, they, there's a launch in people and... Across the whole entire metal framework, people have to be like, "Yep, yeah, this is the, this is the, this is the song," and like it a little bit like Judas Priest almost, or uh, maybe Iron Maiden. Although I can't get behind <laughs> them as much. <laughs> now you're right. I mean, Dio, he's definitely shaped the heavy metal scene. Like the powerful, emotive lyrics, um, rocks, grooves, progressive nature, and songs. A bit of the fantasy element chucked in as well. So he yeah. kind of helped shape and yeah. Um, yeah, but, but he's got metal. a brilliant ear for the musicians as well. He always surrounds himself with top class class quality players you know and these guys can all not only play their instrument but also write and they can also do stuff to help Dio sound even better and uh, I mean that doesn't need much help because <laughs> yeah. like you said any track off this album there's not like a point where Dio phones it in you know he's just like going out there and building it. and like I said there's going to be a line or a phrase in there that really resonates with you more than others maybe but the performance across the whole entire record is phenomenal and this is with the whole band like they didn't have the whole thing that we have now where it's like they can cut and paste tracks they put it onto the uh, the tape yep. and if they stuffed up man it's going to make their record sound worse you know and what a performance on the whole band on this on this album yeah and this was recording that famously now closed Sound City Studio that um, Dave Grohl from Foo Fighters did the uh, that documentary on top mm. thing so yeah it's very bit of history there as well but again yeah just this album so many powerful song so much ability oh it's amazing the most important question I want to ask you before we leave this album altogether is 
this Dio's greatest album for Daniel Marotti. Like, we want to know, Super Metal Brother Dan, when you think of Dio, is this the album that uh, you think everyone must own? Or is there another album that people keep glossing over in order to favor maybe a bit of nostalgia in this case? Oh, uh, yeah, it depends what you again, what you like. Um, this song is probably the, the most rockiest album there. But then another classic one is um, like Dream Evil. Yeah. Because there are a lot of classic songs. But that, that's more... Uh, melancholy to a degree so the songs still some rocking songs there but it's more of a sadder tone to it this one's more like rocking and yep. jumping around so again it depends what you like but now I think this one here would have to be yep. his best album over lock up the yeah. walls oh, yeah, that wasn't great at all yeah <laughs> <laughs> last in line was cool last in line songs sorry yeah. yeah but uh, lock up the walls wasn't great um, no. Sacred House not bad either but yeah Holy Dive and, and Dream Eve was I reckon his top two cool yeah. that's pretty awesome so there you go uh with that, we're at the end of our Super Metal Brothers review. And in the words of Dio, Danny, don't talk to strangers because they only bring you down. <laughs> right away, right away, girl. <laughs> and, oh, yeah, and don't dream of women because they'll also bring you down. <laughs> oh, well, with that, we're at the end of our podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you guys want to check out more of our stuff, head over to our Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Bro. Or obviously you're hearing us on podcasts or on iTunes as well. We've done a bunch of uh, interviews lately with Shatterbrain and uh, Varg as well. So if you guys want to check out any of that, you know, make sure you do. You know, we've got insights into obviously not only the Adelaide, but the heavy metal scene in Melbourne and across all of Australia and all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, make sure you leave us a, a comment if you want some review of an album, whatever. Unfortunately, though, for you, we've already got that next week's one taken up with our yeah. friend over there. So We'll be very excited to hear what he has to say. Yeah, that's exactly right. So keep listening. Thanks, everybody, for yeah, listening and commenting on our page. And yeah, if you're a band out there who wants to be interviewed as well, yep, get on it. I am Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother. Yeah. We've been the Super Metal Brothers. Thank you so much for listening. We're going to catch you next week.